Well, let's, let's uh, dive into God's Word today. Are you, are you ready for God's Word? Now, we've been in this series in, in the book of James, and you know how practical James is. If you've been here, if you've been reading along with us and been studying along with us, you know that James is very, very practical, right? It's the wisdom, the Proverbs of the New Testament, right? And so week one, what did we do? We talked about the idea of trials and what trials do for us, right? So God's, God's vision for your life is that you have a full life in Him. Amen? John 10, 10. And God uses the trials of your life to shape you into his likeness, to be more like Christ. And when you are more like Christ, that is when you're really fulfilling this full life in him. And that's what trials are. And they're, they're not fun. We, we acknowledge that. Trials are never easy. They're never fun. But it's always a tool that God uses to shape us and to be like him. Can I get an amen? And then we also looked at temptation that the enemy has a vision for you, too. Well, you know what his vision is, right? What's his, what's his vision for you? To steal, to kill, and to destroy you. He wants to take you out. And so he uses temptation to do that because we, we read that. The Bible says that when we're drawn away of our own desires and we make poor choices and we give in to temptation, it leads to death. It leads to a death of our dreams, a, death, a, a destruction of who we are as people. Amen? Our purpose. But here's the beauty of that. God can even use temptation to make you like him because when you overcome it, when you say no to it, you grow stronger. Amen? So that was week one. Week two, last week, we said that, that the faith that, that James is talking about that Paul described in Ephesians 2 when he says that it's by grace you're saved through faith not of works, that it's a faith that's alive and it, it takes action, right? And we talked about that in depth that Jesus even demonstrated for us what it, what it looks like to have faith in action. The fact that he went so far as to clothe himself in flesh and, and die on the cross and walk out of the tomb. That is true faith in action. And so that is the testimony of true faith is when you are willing to do something for God. Amen? So today I want to talk to you in James 3. And I want to talk to you about the tongue. This is going to be an interesting message. And I... My challenge is that you lean into this message. And the reason is, is because if you'll lean into this and you'll, you'll really dive in and let's, let's read this together, let's study this together, I think God can really do a work in your heart. How many of you believe that? So let's look at James chapter 3. We're going to start um, there at verse 3. It says, We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. So what I want to do is, at this first part of this passage here, you'll notice that, that uh, James is talking about the tongue, really. And so really what he's talking about is our words, right? And so the words we speak are very, very powerful. How, how many of you know that? And here's why I'll say this. If you're taking notes, words determine the course and direction of your life. Amen? And so this is really the, the point that, that James is making. So notice he makes two analogies. He make, makes one about a boat. Anybody ever done any sailing or, or in, in a boat at all? You know, the rudder is that little small thing that's in the water. And just by turning it, the, what happens to the boat? I can make it go wherever I want it to go. In other words, the rudder can set the course and the direction for where the boat goes. 
The other one is the bit in the horse's mouth. Same thing, same concept. You know, this, we got these huge horses that, you know, sometimes are thousands of pounds, right? These huge horses. And a little small girl, 60, 50, 50, 60 pounds, can get on a horse and tell that horse where it's going. How? This horse is huge. But yet, because of the bit in the horse's mouth, that little girl can turn and get that horse going in a direction that she wants it to go. What's the point? The point is your words do the same thing. Your words can determine a course and a direction for your life. This is what James is saying to us. Now, here's the thing. You have to be, up, you have to be careful of whose voice you listen to. Right? And you have to be careful of how your voice impacts someone else. So I want to talk about that for a second. So some of you in your life, because of the things that have been said to you early on, it mapped out a course and a direction for your life. And many of those were, were not the, the right course. Maybe during your life, you heard from the people who should love you the most, who should be you respect the most, you heard words that were demeaning to you. Words like, you'll never amount to anything. Anybody ever heard that from somebody you loved? Or, you might as well just give up trying because you'll never be able to do it. Anybody ever heard that? Folks, those are the kind of words that set you on a trajectory and a course of not being able to accomplish anything and not be able to live life. As a matter of fact, maybe those words were said to you years ago and here you sit today. You have been impacted in such a way that you look back. Those words determined your course. Boy, that's, that's sad, isn't it? I got a story for you that I heard from a pastor, uh, Chris Hodges in Church of the Highlands. and He, he tells a story about his, his father-in-law who at eight year, in, the eight, in the eighth grade, he was a genius. He said he was a, just, a, just a brilliant mind, right? But in eighth grade, he was sitting in a math class, and the teacher called him up to work a problem on the board. Well, you know, in the math, it's real important not just to get to the answer, but what? You had to show your work. So he's, he's, a, he's a smart kid. So the, the teacher calls him up to the front to solve the problem. In, the, in between the time he got up from his seat and got to the board, he'd already figured the problem out in his head, and he had the answer. And so he runs up to the board, and he, all he does is write the answer. And so the teacher says, no, Hornsby, that's wrong. No, 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 it is right. It's the right answer. She said, yeah, 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 it's the right answer, but you didn't show your work. And so he got a little, little you know, disrespectful and said, no, it's, it's right. And so because of her, her anger toward his disrespect, she said, Hornsby, you'll never amount to anything. And he took that, and he believed that. And he, went to, he kept going to school, but he was checked out, didn't even finish school. And at 15, he was playing in bars, and, and country music in bars. And he, and he met up with a girl at 17 and, and got her pregnant out of wedlock. And his life was going nowhere. And as a matter of fact, that the, the girl that was pregnant, uh, the, the, the baby was Chris Hodge's wife. And so he goes on to tell the story that, of course, Bruce finally gets, you know, Hornsby finally gets saved and begins to live for Jesus. And years later, he wants to apply for a job at an Exxon plant in Louisiana. And he goes in, and there's a test he had to take to, to get the job. So he goes in and takes the test, believing, you know, remember, he's believing this, that he'd never amount to anything. So he's believing that he didn't do good on the test. And so they call him. They say, Bruce, you know, we want to we talk to you about your test results. And he's already goes to the, you know, you know, I know. Just go ahead and tell me. I didn't do that good. I never finished school. 
no, Hornsby, come in and, and we want to talk to you about this test. So he goes in and they, they say, Bruce, you scored higher on this test than anybody has ever tested. And the guy says to him, he says, listen, Hornsby, if you'll put your mind to it, you can do anything you want to. And from that moment on, something shifted in him. He no longer felt like he couldn't make it or do anything significant. And so here's, his, here's the rest of his story. He's, he passed away just a few years ago. But before he passed away, he became a very, very influential church planter, planting churches all over the world. Folks, is that not a story of how your words shape? As a matter of fact, Chris Hodges and his friends, after Bruce died, said, we're going to carry on this vision to plant churches, and they created an organization called ARC, and they are planting hundreds of churches every year in the United States and around the world. Isn't that great, folks? Can we give God praise for that? The power of words. I remember years ago, and I'm not bragging on myself, but I just think this, this helps bring it home too. Years ago when my kids were really small, I would tell my boys, you're God's man. And over and over again, I would say, you're God's man, you're God's man. Look where they are today, folks. Both of them training for ministry. As a matter of fact, Tyler sent me a text last night. He said, Dad, they've, they've asked me to sing at my campus tomorrow. Man, what a powerful thing. This is the first time he's had a chance. And so it's just awesome to see what God's doing in them. Why? Because words shape your direction and your course. And so my question to you is, who have you listened to up to this point? What words have you bought into and you've, and you've said you've, and, you've, and it's gotten deep in your heart that God wants to heal you and turn the trajectory of your life, the direction of your life around? And so, just understand this. Here's what the Bible says, Proverbs chapter 18, 21. It says, the power of life and death is in the tongue. In other words, the words we say can bring life to people or death to them. Which one will we choose? Remember I said that the enemy wants to take you out. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy from you. So what he's going to do is he's going to accuse you, right? If anybody wants, wants you to fail, it's him. And the Bible describes him as the accuser of the brethren. If you go read it. That even before, even before God, he's trying to accuse you night and day. But aren't you grateful that, the, that God's not listening to what he has to say? Because when he comes and he says, oh, you remember, you remember Barb's past? God says, what are you talking about? I've forgiven that. My, her sins are as far as the east is from the west. Is anybody glad that when, when God forgives you of your sins, he forgets about them? Can we celebrate that this morning? And so here's the reality, folks. The enemy wants to kill. He wants you to buy into those words. And you don't have to. This is the good news. You do not have to listen to the accusing voices of the enemy anymore. And so the question is, then, if I'm not listening to him, then who am I listening to? Well, why don't I listen to the one who created me, who loves me, who died for me, who says, I want a full life for you. That's what he said. 
And here's what he speaks over your life. He doesn't speak accusation over your life. Here's what he says. He says, you're my masterpiece. Amen. He says that you have a hope and a future. He says that I love you. You're my son or my daughter. Can you receive that this morning? That's what God says over your life. That you stop listening to the accusing voices and you begin to listen to the voice of God. Because His words set you on a course and a path to success and fulfillment. How many of you agree? Here's what Psalm 105 says, 119.105. His words are what? A lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. In other words, if you want, if you want some direction for your life, if you want to know which way to go, where do you go to? Where's your go-to? It's to the Word of God. Let Him speak into your life. Let Him determine the course and direction of your life. Amen? Number two, we've already said that words, they can do damage or bring healing. Look, let's look at the rest of this. Verse 5b, But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is a set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil and full of deadly poison. Boy, that's bad. that sounds really bad, doesn't it? And it almost sounds like there's no hope, right? No matter what I do, I still, you know, just, you know, we use that excuse sometimes. Well, it's just me. It's just, I'm, I'm a truth. I, I just speak what I feel, right? Anybody ever said that? No, the, the point is, here is, apart from the Lord, apart from the Holy Spirit's help, you can't tame the tongue. But the good news is, He's here to help you, and He will help you. So notice the analogy here of fire, right? And the damage that the wrong words that you speak can do to people's hearts. We've already said that. It can actually damage their spirit and kill them. But I love this analogy of a, of a, a fire. Now, anybody ever done any camping? And you've, you've been around, you know that there's signs everywhere. Anybody ever heard of Smokey the Bear? Who knows Smokey the Bear? Anybody know his, his slogan? Say it. Only you can prevent forest fires. Why, why do they say that? Why are they so meticulous about making sure that you understand that you can help prevent forest fires? Because there's been one too many who built a campfire and got careless with the fire. Right? And because of their carelessness, not, you know, not extinguishing the fire good enough or doing something else that was careless, their one act of carelessness caused this huge forest fire which caused huge damage you know out in LA I heard a story that out in LA just recently the the ones that were burning they they traced it back to a guy hitting a, a nail or something with a hammer and that one spark caused that fire so you understand folks that if if we're careless right if we're careless with what we say 
if we're careless about the words that come out of our mouth, the same destruction that that fire does to a forest, the same destruction can happen that we can use, we can use our words to damage and hurt people. And a damage that's very, very costly. Here's what Proverbs chapter 10 verse 19 says. Too much talk leads to sin. Uh-oh. Be sensible. I love how plain this is. Just keep your mouth shut. Amen? You know, think about social media, especially in the culture we're in. Man, we, man I'm telling you what. I go through, when I'm scrolling through school, I, I kind of just shake my head sometimes, seeing the posts. I'm like, dude, did you, have to re- did you really have to post that? And I realize it that because you're, you, feel like you feel like you're behind the screen or, or behind a phone, that it's, you got a little more courage, right? Because some of the stuff people put on Facebook, they would never say to people's faces, would they? But they, boy, they're typing away. And you can see it, man, the, the carelessness of words. And what does it do? It draws people in to those arguments. And those arguments, you, you've seen them. They go nowhere. Let me ask you a question. Has anybody ever seen an argument on Facebook go the right direction? I don't think I have. All it, so this, this proverb here, it doesn't mean, it, it's not just spoken words, it's written words, right? So too much words lead to what? Sin. So listen, can we translate this? Back away from the keyboard. Instead of keeping your mouth shut, just back away from the keyboard, amen? Are you with me this morning? You understand how powerful these these words that we share are and how much damage they do if we're careless with them. James 1, chapter, uh, James says in verse 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 19, watch this. Understand this, my brothers and sisters, you must all be what? Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. The problem is, we get that all mixed up, don't we? We're, we're quick to anger, we're quick to speak, and we're slow to listen. Amen. It's biology, really, too, so you think about it. The more you get pulled into an argument, the less you think logically, right? Why? Because there, there are chemicals released in your brain. When you're in an argument where your emotions are all out of whack and you, you just, man, all, all wisdom and knowledge goes off the rails. But if we'll do what God says to do, take a step back. Let me hear what you got to say. Let me hear you out first before I ever say a word. Let me get the sense of where you're coming from, your perspective, before I say a word. Folks, how many destructive arguments and ended relationships could we avoid if we would just do take that one piece of advice to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger? I got one more for you before we move on to the next point. Some people, this is Proverbs 12, verse 18, some people make cutting remarks Remember that careless fire? But watch what he says here. But the words of the wise, what do they do? Bring healing. 
You know what that tells me is? I got a choice. Amen? Can y'all get an amen to that? You always have a choice. And so what, what is he saying? Look, yeah, you, yeah, it's easy for you to, just to splat it out and just say whatever's on your mind and, and just hurt people. No, if you'll just stop and be wise, your words can be a source of healing to people. Isn't that what we want? That's what I want. We were talking before service, Barb and, Barbara and I were talking about that, that we want our words to bring life to people, to build them up, to strengthen them, to encourage them. And so I got some practical advice for you. Before you say something, think, okay? We're going to use the word think as an acronym to help you walk through whether to say something or not, okay? So if you're taking notes, I don't know if they, they, did, they put the notes up there on for you or not, but T, let's think about T. So here's the question. Before you say something, T, is it true? All right? God's word is true, amen? So if I stop and think before I speak, and, I, and I wanna, I'm going to speak truth, I need to go to God's word, right? Number two, is it helpful? Is what am I about to say true, and is it helpful? I. Is it inspiring? Will it bring life to people? Will it fuse? Will it breathe this breath of fresh air into them? In, is it necessary? Do I really need to say it? Do I really need to say this? And then lastly, is it kind? One of the telltale signs that you're about to do damage is, you just, just check your emotions. If what you're saying, you know it's not going to be kind, you probably don't need to say it, right? Now, I'm not saying not speak the truth to people, right? Don't get me wrong. But make sure that your heart is right before you do it. And so notice what he says uh, in just a second about the, the person that you're talking to, right? Because he says that we're created in the image of God. This will help somebody. So the person you're talking to, if you'll stop for a second and say, wait a minute, that person right there that I'm about to hurt, God loves. That person that I'm about to damage with my words is a person that God created and has purpose and a destiny for. He loves them. He went to the cross for them. Well, I tell you, that'll stop you in a hurry, won't it? When you begin to see them from a different perspective, right? It's, you don't see them as the enemy. You see them as somebody that God loves and cherishes. Amen. What if Grow Church, what if we were known as the body of Christ that we were known for our words of encouragement and speaking life and building people up? What kind of impact could we have as a church? What if we use our words for the intended purposes? Why did God give us the power of words? Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is the most powerful message on the planet. Amen. And what, is the, what does the gospel do? The gospel transforms the heart. And if we are diligent about sharing the gospel, we don't have time for all this other nonsense. Amen. Come on, somebody. Y'all can help me preach this morning. We have to be diligent about 
sharing the gospel. And when we do, you can rest assured, we tell people about the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We tell people about his finished work on the cross. We tell people about his resurrection. We tell people that the fact that he's ascended at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. We, we, we tell them that he's coming back again to rapture his church and to bring them to himself. That's all good news, isn't it? So if we're preoccupied with sharing the gospel, might just transform the way we deal with people. Last point. Let's just read the last of this. Starting at verse 9. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father. Talking about the tongue, right? And sometimes it curses those who've been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. There's something wrong with this picture. Amen? Notice what he's doing here. He's getting to the heart of the issue. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No. And you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Watch this. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. Folks. What's he getting at here? We've already acknowledged that the tongue sets the course, right? The words set the course and direction of our lives. We've already acknowledged that, that there's, a, there's a healing or a destruction that comes with our words. And we've, we've given you some practical advice. But when we get down to the nitty-gritty, it's all about the heart. What's in here? And what is he saying? If you can get to the root of the issue, the heart of the matter, and change the heart, guess what happens? You'll notice that naturally or organically your words begin to change. Amen? If I can just let the Holy Spirit deal with my heart, I can remedy this. So here's my question for you. What do your words say about you? See, here's the truth. We give ourselves away with the words we say. I can hang around you just for a few minutes and I can kind of tell where your heart is. Because in our hearts, because of sin, because of the fall of, of Adam, without the Lord's help, without the saving grace of Christ, without His supernatural work in our hearts, we are, our hearts are full of anger. Our hearts are full of resentment. Our hearts are full of, of jealousy. No, not me, Pastor, not me. Listen, if I deal with it, and I do, you do. Can we just get real with each other this morning? Your pastor is not standing up here acting like he's got it all together. And so what do I have to do? You know what I have to do every single morning that I wake up? I pray the prayer that David prayed. Search me, O God. Try me. Know my thoughts. See if there will be any wicked way of me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Why? Because if I'm not careful, I get bound up in anger. I get bound up in resentment. I get bound up in bitterness. And what happens? When that happens, it comes out in what I say. I give myself away with my words. 
So watch what Jesus said, Matthew chapter 12. You brood of snakes. Wow, that's pretty, pretty heavy, isn't it? Ouch. How could evil men like you speak what is good and right? You know what he's saying? There's no way that you're going to be able to say anything nice if there's not something good going on in your heart, right? For whatever is in your heart, watch this. What does it do? Say it. It determines what you say. Woo. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. Man. Is this message hitting anybody else like it's hitting me today? Right square between the eyes? But this is the beauty of God. Lean into your pastors what he's about to say. Look. Every time God reveals something like this to you, it's not to condemn you. Are you following me this morning? It's not to cause you to, to angst and guilt and shame. No, what does He want to do? He wants to heal your heart so He can make you into the person He wants you to be. So your words do begin to bring healing and bring life and bring life into people. But it has to start with us examining our heart, which is never fun, is it? How many of you like examining the deep, dark recesses of your heart? I hate it. But listen to your pastor. It is necessary for change. And if you'll, take, if you'll have courage and you'll lean into it, the Holy Spirit will help you. He will change you from the inside out. Amen? Is that good news this morning? And so here's, the, here's what Proverbs says, chapter 4, verse 23. It says, guard your heart above all else. Why? Why? Look what he says. Remember what we said in, in the point one? What does it say? Because it determines the course of your life. In other words, what's here comes out here, which shapes your direction. Amen? And so if you'll put a guard on it, if you allow the Holy Spirit to guard it and cleanse it, you can move in the right direction. So what's the cure for all of this? Cure is the gospel. Amen. What did he say? He said, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Christ was raised from the dead, you'll be saved. That's just a starting point. And then he says, all, things have all your old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Amen. And then he says, I'm going to create in you a new heart. Not a heart of stone, but a heart of flesh. Why? Because a heart of flesh is shapeable can be transformed and that's what God wants to do the Lord Jesus Christ wants to transform your heart and he proved it when he went to the cross you know what the hope is for this nation it's not Donald Trump folks it's not Joe Biden folks the hope for this nation is the gospel of Jesus Christ because when you got some transformed hearts going on you got less rallies where people are getting kicked over and beaten with a stick amen you don't have hate spewing out in social media and on in, in every source of media. No, what you have is you have unity. You have the love of Christ shining forth. That's what we need. So here's the, the remedy is the cross of Christ. You understand the, whole, the Holy Spirit, his, his involvement in the whole process, right? First of all, he's the one that shows you you need Christ in the first place. You'd never know it unless he showed you. Amen? So what does he do? The Holy Spirit brings you to a saving knowledge of Christ. But he doesn't leave you there. 
As a matter of fact, the Bible says we become his temple. In other words, he's living on the inside of us. And what is he doing? He's shaping. He's transforming our heart from the inside out. So our response to him must be, Lord, have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way. I need you today. Would anybody pray that prayer this morning? I need you. So it's the Holy Spirit who produces this love, this motivation to speak the right words from the inside out. And so I have a question for you, and then I've got three thoughts, and then we're going to pray. Number one, how can your words bring life to people? Number one, speak affirmation. It's pretty simple to say, you know what? Maybe to your kids or to your, your spouse or your friends, you know, I just want to tell you how proud I am of you. What would that do for them? That would breathe life into them. Or maybe you say, you work really hard. I really appreciate the effort that you go, you go through. Maybe during this tough COVID time, you've hung in there. You've, you've kept the faith. I'm proud of you. I appreciate you. I'm so lucky to have you as a friend. That's affirmation. Or maybe you speak words of praise, of, you know, you acknowledge a job well done. Maybe they've worked hard on a project, and you say, you know what, thank you for working so hard. Man, that was awesome. And then lastly, why don't we speak the truth in love, right? Anybody need any truth tellers in your life? I do. Why do we need truth tellers, folks? We, we, have, blind, we have blind spots. If we have people who love us, who care about us, who, who want the best for us in our lives, and they, they're, they're able, we give them permission, Michelle, to speak into our lives. What could that do for us? But you notice it has to be the truth in love. They have to be kind words. Even if it's a hard, a hard thing we're saying, we can still do it with kindness, right? We can declare, listen, I love you, I believe in you, but here's something that needs to change. God uses people like that in our lives. Amen. So I want to challenge you today. Speak the truth in love. Because remember, words determine your direction, your trajectory. They can bring healing or, or destruction. And all of it comes from right here. Thank you for tuning in to our online broadcast here at Grow Church. We hope that you've heard something today that will strengthen and encourage you throughout the week. Make sure you tune in next week for our next broadcast. God bless. This is Lance Turner, pastor at Grow Church. We'd like to thank you for joining our podcast. We pray the message today stirs your faith and it causes you to grow. Enjoy the message.